651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Hey, this is fun. The University of Oklahoma just signed a new player, and his name is pretty unique. Check this out. The Oklahoma Sooners got a JUCO transfer quarterback. His name, General Booty. Yeah. General Booty. It's such a proud day for his parents, Pirate and Shakeur. I have a feeling his first word as a baby was, why? Yep, he signed a play at Oklahoma. It's nice to hear about a booty call that actually ended in commitment. I guess that's big time. I, I don't know. At what point do I start feeling feeling bad about the whole thing? Never. Never? Never. No, it's content, dude. Um, I talked to Coach, uh, well, offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby about booty. Look, look at this guy. He just talks to Patty Gasso now, and he just talks to... <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, look at me. Yeah, I talked to Jeff Levy earlier today about it. No big deal. He thinks he's a stud. Um, his, his path was a little bit different. I guess because, you know, he's... Everyone knows the family, right? Um, so athletic background, has the pedigree... And I guess because of his dad's work, he played at four different high schools. And since he played at four different high schools, uh, in, and especially through COVID, where he moved around, you couldn't go see players. Uh, he's literally one of those that slid through the cracks and you know, went the junior college route, had opportunity to go to some better places, or not, not better places, go to some places with better opportunities right away. Like New Mexico. But, you know, was betting on himself and and came here. So Maybe I, maybe he'll thrive if he's just able to be in the same spot for two years, you know? Right. You know, there's get some consistency. There's nothing guaranteed. Obviously it's gonna be it's gonna be a really difficult um it's gonna be a difficult position to go in and and grab because of some of the good talent that's gonna be rolling through here. But this isn't like a, a a panic thing at all. He's no, I mean, believe he is legit. It's clearly not a panic move. They already had what seven quarterbacks uh, on the roster, and then they added him. They didn't need him. They they didn't need him depth wise or as a camp arm or anything like that. It was out of yeah. I I, I believe that that it was more of. Well, we're pretty good on our number of quarterbacks here, and we have our starter. There's not going to be a real competition. We just like this kid, so let's add him and see if it turns into something. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, nice spot to be in. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, there's gonna there'll be a bit of a you know it, whenever if he does break through, there's gonna be that um, that moment where the name is gonna be more important than his play for a brief moment. But after that, um, 
I think everyone will take notice as to yeah. how good he is. Can we detour for like two minutes and yeah. tell you about my uh, trip home last night and, I, and how that was? I <laughs> love a good de- – well, actually, I hate detours, but in this sense, this is exactly what yeah, I want. So, um, as you know, I was sitting outside in jeans in Houston – for the entirety of the show, plus the hour leading up to the show as well. So in total, right. I was standing outside in the Houston heat and humidity for five hours with jeans on. <laughs> no big deal. So you can imagine by 6 p.m., I was just ready to relax, get into the air conditioner, get some water, just eat something, drink something, whatever. Morale was pretty low, I'll be quite honest with you, at 6 p.m. clothes had the feel of they were, everything was stuck to you, probably. Uh, y- yeah, I, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was wet in some certain places. And uh, to, to add on top of that, of course, there was traffic getting to the airport. There was traffic, like, actually trying to drop me off in the airport. It was a highly stressful yeah. moment. And so I texted my wife. I said, you know what? I am going to have a really nice airport meal tonight, okay? <laughs> I'm going to find a really cool airport bar. I'm just going to relax for a couple hours. My flight doesn't leave till like 940. Is this code for you had chilies? <laughs> oh, pretty close, actually. Pretty close. So I, I just have my mind set up like, whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a good spot and just hang out there and chill. Like, I, I deserve that. So I get to my terminal, whatever, and I search around, and I search around, and I search around, Oh, God, am I really going to have to resort to this place, buddy? And I didn't even know that these were still in business. I ate at a Hard Rock Cafe last night inside the airport. Did you get a t-shirt? No, I did not. The options were uh, not great. You you want a burger or you want a flatbread sandwich? It's one of the two. (laughs) Yeah, I I ate at a Hard Rock Cafe in the Houston airport last night. And let me tell you, the uh, chicken bacon ranch flatbread just did not hit the spot yesterday evening. Man. Yeah. Hard Rock. Yeah. (laughs) I can remember my business. Yeah. I remember my childhood whenever the hard rock cafe was uh oh my gosh look you got the t-shirt from the hard rock cafe we went to the one in i don't know that's funny that is there anything like that anymore or have all of those spots like died because of everything is so interwoven now with the internet like nothing is a big deal anymore because you can see everything it it was the humble brag of the 90s to wear a hard rock cafe t-shirt that said like london on it or new york it's like whoa they're rich they got to go to london to a hard rock cafe which why would you go to the hard rock cafe if you uh, made a trip to london but but it was the humble brag of the 90s yeah nowadays you want a london hard rock cafe t-shirt you can have one on your doorstep by you know eight o'clock this evening amazon will have it delivered (laughs) right away yeah and you might be able to get it for 14 dollars. so no i did not leave with a houston hard rock t-shirt but that was my uh, night last night of course the flight gets delayed then we finally get to oklahoma city we're pulling up we're pulling up here we go Er, we got to stop for about 15 minutes because we're waiting on the taxi it was it was uh it was tough. But, hey, no, it was, it was fun seeing a lot of Houston listeners last night. Uh, a lot of people came up and said that they uh, listened to the station. So are you anxiously waiting on that uh, Houston road trip in two years? Whenever they're Cannot after this? wait. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait. Hey, by the way, um, for people that stuck around for the event, let us know what uh, Britt Venable said last night because I had to get out of there just in time to, to, to get back to the airport. He said – Good enough. Did he say soft hands don't wear championship rings? Probably. What was the highlight? Uh, I don't know. I have not heard 
but I'm sure there was some good quote that came out of it. I'm sure there was some shade thrown deeply that you've got to peel back several layers to find where it exists. I'm sure something came out. Um, we got so much college football content today, buddy. Well, I got to ask you a question. One more question about Houston. All right. Did you ever see the boss anywhere? No, no. I well, I didn't see the boss until a picture this morning with Wallace. I was like, oh, okay. So you did have boss. You did have Jr. There, but um, they were in like the VIP area with uh, Britt Vittables. And so that was away from where I was at, and there was some difficulties in transporting from over there yeah. to over here. Like it was, oh, a, I it bet was, there was. It was a good and fair explanation yeah. as to why they didn't make an appearance. So there is definitely no hard feelings there. An explanation that could have been wrapped up in, yeah, you were outside by a tree, so we didn't come. Seriously, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a three paragraph explanation. Boz is like, I ain't going over there. Are you kidding me? Uh, that's cool though. Um, I, and I haven't seen, but I'm sure he's put some stuff out. I, I bet the boss is, is happy that Venables has, has taken over. So. Well, we've had him on before. We had mm-hmm. him on the Friday before the Nebraska game and you can tell just his tone about the current leadership and how they're going about things was just, you know, and, and I could see that because, as we talked about before, OU's never won a national championship without an elite defense. And so a lot of those guys that have won national championships here, the way that they were conducting their program is yeah, kind of vastly different than what they've seen. So I, I, I could see as to why they'd say, huh, I don't, I don't really know if I'm about this. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's fascinating He's he's always had a really good perspective on it, and I was kind of shocked that he never he never really pursued any of the television coverage aspect of of it because you know he's he's obviously great at that type of thing and and has uh, has a career in it. I was just I don't know. It's interesting. How long do you think the Dr Pepper stuff is going to go? Forever. You think so? I mean. I'm, I don't think we're getting rid of uh, Fansville anytime soon. The Fansville commercial will be coming around to uh, when college football season arrives. It's really he's the good. Sheriff. Uh, no, he yeah, he's the sheriff of Fansville. That's what he is. The transfer portal he's thing was funny. Uh, tossing uh, <laughs> the dad tossing the football to the kid when he was going off to college and he dropped it was great. That's pretty good. It's well done. But yes, you're right. We've got. College football content galore today, specifically uh, some Oklahoma stuff. Where should we jump off to first? Uh, I guess this top 25 uh, coaches ranked list that we talked about yesterday. They have the top 25 now. Saban is at one, Kirby is at two, Dabo's at three, Muleshoe's at four, and Jimbo's at five. Like it, love it, hate it. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't love it. I... There's just so much uh, bias isn't the right word. I think it's definitely the right word. Well, it, there's there's just a there's a lack of there's a a lack of peeling back the layers. You know, it's it, what you it, did 9 years ago, they value way too much. I oh, think well, only on some people. Right. I think that they need to I, – I, I would want an honest list of 
Like, not the best resumes or who's at the best jobs. Who do you think are the top 25 head coaches in college football? Yeah, here's the thing is there's really there's, – there's no – there's no real way to do it because it's all this this isn't nascar where everyone's driving what's supposed to be the same car everyone has something different it's you know some places are geographically challenged in recruiting other places happen to be directly in the hotbed of where the majority of great college football players come from some places have Massive donors that build beautiful facilities that are that make it easy to recruit. Others don't have that. Others playing conferences that don't have big payouts. So it's hard to, in the end, judge like how how good these guys are. Actually, if everyone was given the same exact thing, the same players, the same facilities, the same location. Who could squeeze the most juice out of, um, you know, that lemon or or whatever? I, I, it's hard to ever put put that in in easy terms to where you can you can lay it out there. So it's just, it's, I guess, what I'm trying to say is it's impossible to do. It's impossible, but they could have done a much better job of trying to capture what you're just saying, and that's why I think you look at a guy like Mark Stoops all the way back outside the top 15. I think what he's been able to accomplish at Kentucky. You're talking about Bear Bryant, Mark Stoops. That's pretty good company to me, right? I think he definitely deserves to be in the top 15. I would have had Dave Aranda even ranked higher for what he's been able to do at Baylor in such a short time, win a New Year's Six Bowl game, win a Big 12 uh, championship. I just think it's, yeah, Lincoln's here because he's won this many conference championships into this. Like, no, uh, who who are really your best football coaches out there because Lincoln Riley is ranked several spots above Dave Aranda, I think seven to be exact. But when Lincoln Riley and Dave Aranda have faced off against each other, Dave Aranda has you know, gotten the better of him in those matchups. Yeah. Going back to the football game last year, even the game in 2020, Baylor was severely, um, in terms of just overall talent, just well below what OU was, and that ended up being kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, an, an interesting football game. And then, of course, when they matched up against each other in the Peach Bowl, LSU had more talent, but we saw how that one went. I just, I, I don't know. I think you need to look more closely at, at things like that than just what they were able to accomplish nine years ago. Like Jimbo's won a title, yes, but that's been close to a decade. He lost to some bad football teams last year. You could do a much better job with this than they did. Well, here's what what I think is interesting. Saban has built championship-level programs at different places. I don't know how how good was Michigan State before he took the LSU job? How high did he take that that gig? Saban? Yeah. Um, he, he took it to a respectable level for sure. I don't feel like Michigan State was some great football program or right. has been some great football program historically. Yeah, I think he he probably saw the writing on the wall there and, and was wanting to go somewhere where he felt like he had a better chance and saw LSU as, as a place to do it. And at the time, you know, kind of given the SEC was not what it is now at that point, not even close. So Saban has built multiple championship has built championship programs at multiple places. Kirby Smart uh, went to Georgia and built a championship level program in 
the toughest conference in college football. Was it god-awful whenever he took over the program? Not at all. No? No, they fired Mark Rick for going 10-2 and two every year, basically. Right. They weren't awful, but he's definitely improved that place. Uh, Dabo Svini at Clemson built a championship program there. Um, it's always been a solid program, but not anywhere close to championship level. And then you start to get into the, like, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, I, I hate saying this, but has, has, never, has never really built anything from the ground up. No. Ryan Day at Ohio State, I, the timeline for Ryan Day is looking a lot like Lincoln Riley. Sure it is. Um, took over at a really good time for the program from an all-time great that had the program clicking on all cylinders. A quarterback that was ready to go immediately yep. when you walked through the door. That's right. And it's his first year, great success. And, you know, it hasn't fallen off much for him. But it's fallen off. And he's already had to fire a coordinator. And he's, and he's hired a, had hired a D.C. So Ohio State and Ryan Day are kind of following the – the path of Lincoln Riley. Now, if Lincoln Riley takes over at USC, builds that to a a semifinal competing football team, then I think you put him where he is now. And the other thing is it's it's kind of hard to get it falls off pretty quickly after that, but Brian Kelly at 7 he is I think he's at 7 because he's not likable. Mm-hmm. If if Brian Kelly was a more likable guy, he'd be he'd be a top four easy. Like if he was if he was younger, if he was you know better talking to people. Where most people like my when you say Brian Kelly to me, the first thing I picture is him red faced on the sideline screaming at a quarterback. Well, that's a lot better than what I picture. I picture that dance he was doing with the recruit a few months ago. I wish right. I had that picture of him that you do instead of the one I have. Um, so I, I think he is he's underrated on here. Jimbo Fisher is he's he's interesting. I really don't know where he falls. You can't take the national championship away from him. I mean, you can't. But I don't. It's not like he's just racked off a whole lot of ten win seasons after that national championship has happened. You right. can't take it away from him. It was a great season. He had a great quarterback. But since Jameis Winston, um, since he hasn't had him as a quarterback, there's been some lean years in there for for Jimbo and the way that his Florida State career kind of ended. He left that program in a shape, Teddy, that they haven't been able to recover from since he left in, what, 2016, I guess? I mean, they're still in like a five, six-year rut. Yeah. I mean, that's not all his fault. I mean, six years is a long time in the sport, but he didn't do any favors to Florida State when he left that job. Most of the guys, like, he's rated in front of Ryan Day and Brian Kelly. Um, I, I think to be number five, I think Jimbo Fisher needs like you can put him in my opinion like you should flip Jimbo Fisher and Brian Kelly put Jimbo Fisher at 7 because Jimbo he you cannot argue with the fact that he has made Texas A&M better since he's been there now 
Are they leaps and bounds, like teetering on the edge of national championship better? I don't think that's the case at all, but I think they're better. I think they're more consistent. But I, that being that is the case, there's how can you have him behind Brian Kelly or in front of Brian Kelly? Yeah, again, I bring it up all the time, but it's true. Brian Kelly, all-time winning as head coach at, at Notre yeah. Dame. Um was in, what, the 2012 National Championship game, been to a couple other uh, college football playoff appearances. Yeah, I, he and didn't he win an Addy there, but he's pretty consistent for the most part. He took him to that 2012 National Championship game, and they were terrible when he took over, right? Yeah, they weren't in great shape. I mean, Notre Dame was kind of in a rut there for a right. while, and, and he kind of took him back to you know at least being one of the top five programs in the sport. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's wild. I my guess is Brian Kelly will make a playoff at LSU before uh, Jimbo at Texas A&M. Oh yeah, I'm comfortable. Uh, yes, yes. Like, I, I don't that. think it's the, it's not this year. Texas or LSU's got some work to do, but I think that's going to happen. All right, quick opening timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting us on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We see them coming in, 651-3439. Teddy and Tyler telling it like it is. Whether it's what you want to hear or not, every day from 2 to 6 on the home of Sooner fans. Brad, put your shirt back on. Seth, I'm trying to prove a point. The point of a bare chest and a cashmere sweater doesn't prove any point. Wait, I think that's the point I'm... Watch college football but simply vomit a national media narrative. Yeah. I don't think he's wrong about that at all. No. And, and I think it's more about uh, what story has caught your eye over the last year and who is, who is like the um, – who does the media like? What story do they like to tell? Very group thing. Like Dave Aranda um, at Baylor, the job that he's done is amazing – I, Mike Gundy, top 10, deserved to be in the top 10. Why? For all the reasons I was talking about how things aren't created equal. Uh, geography, um, you know, I, I know that they've had their fair share of money come through there, but money doesn't do everything. You still got to have wins. You still got to have good coaching behind it. And Mike Gundy has been about as consistent as anyone yeah. in college football over the last decade. Yeah, now, now, now you could like push back at that and say, well, I mean, he also came to Oklahoma State at the right time. The money that poured in there and the downfall of the Big 12, Texas being bad, all that. Like, He's a little bit of a product of the conference. He came there at the right time. But I think that there's been a level of consistency over several years by now. And looking at the names behind him to where you can say, yeah, he may not deserve to be well inside the top 10, but at number 10, okay, that's fine. Well, cool with that. Here's the other thing that he's had to deal with. How many offensive and defensive coordinators has he had to replace over the years because they've done well and have moved on and taken other jobs? As many as Shippensburg's had. Yeah. it's he's. I, I think he's done excellent. Top 10. I, th- I think that number 10 ranking for him is is right. Now, here's the thing. If if they have a down season because they lost a bunch of seniors, let's say let's say Oklahoma State, which I think they'll be better than this, but say they're a 7 and 5 football team and finish outside the top 25. Well, Mike Gundy won't be on the top 25 coaching list next year. You know, he'll drop all the way down to like 22. Yeah. He'll drop like 12 spots. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so 
I don't know. It's dumb. Yeah, no, it, it is. Uh, text line, Saban and Sweeney are the only great coll- uh, great coaches in college football right now. Kirby's getting close. Hopefully, Venables will get there. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I think Kirby's I think Kirby's great. I mean, he's won one, and he got really close uh, to, to winning another one back in 2017. Yeah, and it's it all depends on how – how one decide or um, how you define great, and I think the texter is saying great as in like you're an all time great, not that you are like you're. Oh, that's fine if you don't want to say Kirby's an all time great yet. Right. Like I'm, I'm cool with that. I sure. think that's what he's talking about because I, I don't think it's it's like defining the product and how how good of a coach they are just or. Have you made your way into into the all time great type of type of conversation? Because there's a bunch of great coaches out there. As far as uh, they recruit well, they develop talent well. Um, you know, they they get the most out of their players. I think he's talking about like being an all time great. I, th- I love how you just assume it's a he, and that we don't have any great women uh, su- uh, supporters and listeners that listen to the show. Mm, that is interesting. I should have just referred to them as the texter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kyle Whittingham has delivered better records than Jimbo Fisher for one twentieth of the cost. He probably has about one twentieth of the buyout too at Utah compared to what he ha- uh, Jimbo has at A and M. He Kyle Whittingham is a tough dude. Runs a tough program, and uh, you know. People have have said this for a long time. Your football team, the personality of your football team mirrors the personality of your head coach. And hope that's true here. Yeah, I, I do too. I think Utah is a prime example of that. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there's a lot of coaches you can point to. I think uh, not the most talented, but I think Kansas State has the personality of Chris Kleiman, right? Yeah. Alabama uh, with Nick Saban, of course, Georgia with Kirby Smart. Yeah, for the most part, that is that is true. And you hope you're on the right side of that, not the wrong side. Of that. I think that was true with uh, OU under Lincoln Riley. Is it true with Baylor where the personality of their head coach is – Do they ever a smile? blank wall? I, I don't know. It, they, I don't, I've never seen any of their players smile before, so it's, it could be legit. I think Dave Aranda – is somehow pulling off one of the greatest um, like WWE acts of all time because everyone that I know that has coached with him before and knows him well is like that dude is awesome that guy is amazing and I'm like hey I'm taking your word for it but what I'm staring at right now on the television does not. Echo that. Who shows more emotion, uh, Dave Aranda or Kyler's dad? Oh, has anyone ever seen the two in the same place at the same time? I don't think so. Good point. Hmm. I don't think so. Interesting. Uh, uh, Kyle in Broken Arrow says, Brian Kelly is a southern gentleman. Easy, fellas. (laughs) He does have a southern accent, as we found out. Hey, you know, part of being a good coach is adapting to your surroundings, right? And he's he's tried that. Riley and Fisher are too high. Whittingham is too low. The same people that criticize Riley for not being able to get the job done at Oklahoma are the ones that are ranking him as one of the top five coaches in the country. Well, here's what I'll say to that. I think what you're, what you're saying is true 
to an extent, but the Lincoln-Riley phenomenon around here was really interesting. And it wasn't just local. It seemed to be national, too, to where he never really got much criticism. It's the longest honeymoon for a head coach that I think I've ever seen. It was like year four, and it was, oh, that was a tough loss, and the honeymoon's over now. It's like year four, right. the honeymoon is just now over? Dang. I, I don't even think Lincoln Riley, did he, he didn't receive much national criticism after like the LSU game, did he? No, I mean, people laughed at him, and they laughed at OU, but in terms of like criticism, not really. Like right. This offseason was going to be the first time that he faced some real criticism with his own fans around here locally. I mean, this was going to be the first time, and I adamantly believe that that was going to kind of be the feeling around here during the offseason had he not jumped to USC. But to your credit, no, man, not not really. It's it's and That goes back to the, the being likable, right? And, you know, he's he's likable. So he's he's ranked high. And I – don't get me wrong, I think he's a really good football coach. But number four? Huh. I don't know. I I think they had him here in the same spot last year and had Ryan Day, I think, at number five behind him. And we talked about that one last year before last season. And we're, it was like, huh? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. But, you know, the Ryan Day, Ohio State, I think I think Ohio State was a little more I maybe the best way to put it built on a little more solid of a foundation and it's taken a little longer to kind of start to uh crumble a bit and I'm not saying that they're crumbling. I I think Ohio State is poised to be one of the main challengers for the championship this season because of you know, their offense. But the big question remains, under Ryan Day, can they play all-around football like they did previously under the the last psychopath? I I think that this top ten list is going to look drastically different in the next two years. Um, Some names that I think could fall out of the top ten, first name I'm looking at is Jimbo Fisher. Because it's great that you get the number one overall recruiting class. Right. But with that man comes a whole lot of pressure to finally break through and play in an SEC championship game. Sure. And if he doesn't do that and if they continue to only win seven, eight games a year, Jimbo's going to get hammered for that. And people are going to say, ah, yeah, well, we overvalued him. He's not a top ten head coach. I think Lincoln in two years. If USC continues to just struggle to find its way, they don't get over the hump. I think more people start to come around on Yeah, he just doesn't have the blueprint to win at a high level. I'm not rooting for this last guy at all to fail, but I am interested in what Clemson is going to be in the next two years. If they don't win the ACC next year and they follow that up with another tough year, I'm going to guess some people start to – you know, lose a little bit of faith on Dabo's abilities. So I think the top 10 could look differently. I think Brent Venables will probably be in the top 10 in two years. I think Marcus Freeman has a great chance to be in the top 10. I think Billy Napier at Florida has got a great chance to make a move as well. Yeah. Um, I think so. I'm interested in that. I think I think Clemson is um, – I think they may have a nice bounce-back season. Really nice. We'll see, though. We'll see. They got a good schedule for it. 
Who's there? Do they play someone early? Did we talk no, about that? No, they play. Uh, they play at Notre Dame. Is their is their right. tough game this year? But it's and later. I think um, do they play at South Carolina this year? I can't remember where they play that game, but so that that's going to be like a season maker for for South Carolina. Yeah, and they're finally in a position talent wise. I think to potentially push Clemson in that game though Clemson handled them last year I think they may have shut him out well yeah I you know because we were talking about it last year that hey South Carolina's they they found something they're you know they got a you know they're under they're not super talented at all but you know they've got a good tough football team that hey we'll see what happens and they uh yeah they got ran out thirty to zero in the last game of the season so yeah we'll see maybe they can maybe they can keep it closer this year I think South Carolina is going to be a lot better but I think Clemson's going to be a lot better Same. too all right quick timeout more from the rush coming up stay with us. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you our number one of the rush on this Wednesday. Yeah, the OU coaches caravan was in Houston last night. I guess Steve Sarkeesian was in Houston earlier today at the uh, Houston Touchdown Club. And Texas fans are making a big deal out of that 11 a.m. kickoff, which it's not even announced as an 11 a.m. kickoff yet. It's just announced that the game is on Fox. Texas fans are all upset about 11 a.m. against Alabama. They're trying to sign a petition to make it to where they move it to a night game, and I think only 500 people had signed it as of last night. Wow. Um, But Sark said this on the subject, I don't give a what time the kickoff is. Y'all just show up. Wow. Yeah. Um, He can't give a bleep when the kickoff is. Yeah. as a coach, you can't really if you if you start saying something about that, it's made as uh, excuse making and stuff like that. So the players are also listening to everything that you say, and if you're complaining about the start time, they are going to complain about the start time. So I'm sure he's not happy about it. I'm sure Saban picked up the phone and called the uh, folks over at Fox and like, Hey, um, you know, I've got a tea time Saturday afternoon in Tuscaloosa. I'd like to be back in time to play. Trying to play nine holes. Right. Spurrier's supposed to be in town. They're supposed to link up and play nine. Yeah. Well, you can make that an early game. It's amazing. The first road non-conference game that they play, and it's going to be an 11 a.m., which – you know, and it might be an. It still might be a neutral site game. I mean, the game's going to be played in <laughs> right. Austin, but it still might be a neutral site. Right, right. 
it's just it's interesting that you know if you're playing a a big non-conference road game you'd want the like if you were asking for an advantage you'd want it to be an 11 a.m kick and not a rowdy night kick but you know i i can make the argument that like specifically for Oklahoma, who I feel like at times has been guilty of playing down to their competition, would place better in a rowdy environment. Yeah, but that is true for a lot of road teams, though. Like you'd rather play, you'd rather play at the swamp at eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. than you would at night. But right. Texas is one of those teams where their atmosphere doesn't really matter. You know, um, it's not some great home field advantage that they have. They have a lot of seats. So in theory, Teddy, if you have a 100,000-seat stadium, it should be loud and rocking, but when's the last time the, the stadium there has been loud and, and rocking? I don't know. I see a lot of empty seats more than anything there. I've never been there. I have no idea what it's like. I've snuck in the stadium one time during a trip to Austin. Didn't get very far because it's, it's guarded up pretty nicely. Looks big, though, right? It's, it's huge, yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's ma- hey, it's very Texas, man. It's it's huge. It covers a lot of ground. It looks massive, but not a whole lot of substance to it. And All of course, hat, they no got cattle. A, and they've got an interesting design in that new end zone that they just built, which everyone is making fun of. So it's uh, about as Texas as uh, you can get over there at DKR. Is that done? Has, has yeah, it's done. When it's was done. was it done last? It season? was done last year. So they would run into the end zone with uh, what was supposed to look like a Longhorn, but. It didn't. I mean, it didn't look like a Longhorn. I guess. Yeah, that's. Good. I mean, come on, have some self awareness here. Like, just you got to know that people are going to make fun of that and say it looks like something else when you do it. It took OU fans three seconds to to figure out what yes, it looked like. Yeah. As soon as they posted, like, here are the final plans, OU fans ran with it. And instantly. it's so easy to joke and and say that about Texas because, well, I mean. <laughs> it's not like they're a super tough football team, right? Like if Alabama had that, you might laugh at it, but it's like, well, I mean, they don't mess around. They're the real deal. Here's Texas. A, there's an interesting text message I see come across there. OU fans are the same as Texas fans. Is there some there's some truth to that? I think um well, no, I I mean OU actually sells out their their stadium though. I mean they, they I think they actually show up. Now, if you want to say that OU isn't the most, you know, crazy environment on a Saturday game at home, then I mean that's fine, but no, I, I think OU's attendance is probably uh, better than UT's is in terms of like capacity that the stadium is filled up. Yeah. I I think that I I think it's for different reasons. I think Texas hasn't had much of a reason to show up over the last decade, right? Um, So they haven't had much of a reason to create a a big atmosphere unless they've got some big non-conference games coming to town. OU, I think, is a little bit different because they've been so consistent that I think a little sleepiness – No doubt you know, creeps in unless, again, you've got a big non-conference opponent coming in. That's part of the problem of playing in the Big 12 is you never host your biggest rival and there's really no other big names to speak of that get people excited. Every now and then we've got um, a good Iowa State team 
or a good TCU or a good Baylor that comes to town that happens to be ranked really high, but it's not like those fan bases show up on Wednesday and are running flags up and down Lindsay and you know show up in the thousands for the game. So I, I, can, I guess I can understand both fan bases a bit. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one next. Citra Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number one of the rush update from the PGA Championship. Bryson DeChambeau has withdrawn from what? the tournament due to an injury. Yeah, I'm uh, sure we'll bring that up later in the show. At least you will and uh, what caught Teddy's Yeah. Uh, text line, don't forget, even when OU was at their worst in the mid-90s, OU was still drawing a lot of fans. Texas attendance when they're struggling is way worse than OU's when uh, we were struggling. They probably the the that's probably the best comparison. Every program's fans show up when they're in the top twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'd say Texas historically has, you know, maybe more of a crowd that is is fickle compared to compared to OU. OU doesn't have a attendance problem at all. We we have well. <laughs> It's not like we have a problem at all. We just have a lack of uh, – you show up whenever you – you want to see a show. You want to see – and I know people say they want to go see a – like a blowout. It, you know, and that's – you know, we just want to blow people out. But what you want to see is you want to see two top ten programs duke it out and something special happen – down the stretch that's what gets you motivated to go up there and really enjoy it to be loud to factor into the game when you don't feel like you're going to need to factor into the game it doesn't create a wild well, how, how many of your home games a year are you a double digit favorite i'm sure i bet there's been some years where every All? single game they've yeah. been a double digit favorite yeah yeah, I think, and it's more fun when the opposing team brings in a lot of fans and you mix it up a little bit. But that's not really the the case here. Yeah, that I think that's the biggest thing that's been holding OU back. I I think when we go to the SEC and it's new, and the games are going to constantly be more difficult. I think the fan base is going to react in a big way. I do, and I, I honestly feel like this year is going to be a little bit different too, just because there's some new energy. All right, quick timeout. Hour number two of the rush coming up next. <laughs> 